And it's time for another Movie Mastery in Theaters Now. I am your host, John, over there, my co-host, Jeff. Oh, man. Am I getting downgraded? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next episode, you're going to be also someone else. I, I accept this. <laughs> this. This feels right. Yeah. Eventually, it'll just be, and my pet, Jeff. I'll just be the guy who does the commercials at the beginning and end. You're going to make me be your, like, Don Pardo. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Musical guest, John. <laughs> <laughs> and your host, John! It's just all John. <laughs> it's just all John! <laughs> it's all we could get! <laughs> Musical guest, John, featuring Flea! <laughs> He's real dirty! There's fleas on him! No, it's the flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He'll do it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he He was in town. He's always in town. <laughs> uh, so we went and saw a movie that you guys technically voted on. God, <laughs> January was a garbage month so much Fuck that you, we're bringing January. you to this in February. Yeah, yeah. We, we Well, the movie came out towards the end of the month, so we just fit it into the schedule the best we could. And we're just going to push forward into February with open eyes and clear hearts and really hope that... Yeah, with <laughs> clear we, eyes, full hearts, and then we can't lose. Well, we're going to get more votes for February because January had nothing in it oh god i mean the other contender which was like i think actually one vote behind was paddington 2 which i've heard is a really good movie i've i have heard it. it's very nice yeah and also it is uh a movie about racial stereotyping and profiling mm -hmm. uh but it's, we it's, didn't see that i think it's also like the last movie that is forced to have weinstein logo like logos and stuff on it oh because it was made by that company and then they tried their desperately to shop it around and eventually buried it in a january release there you go is what has so that's why it's there anyway but anyway what we saw was the death cure the third movie of the maze runner trilogy i love our trend of seeing the third movie in trilogies of which we have not seen the first two movies oh yeah well seeing weird sequels without having any context is amazing because it gets me to pay attention to a movie i otherwise wouldn't care about because i am attempting to piece together what happened in the previous movies i mean this is the third one of these I, I think i'm pretty sure it's yeah it's the third one we've had to do where we've had to watch uh triple x the, the re rise of xander cage return of xander cage i don't know <laughs> yes the rise of the return of xander cage. the retirement of xander cage i hope <laughs> and then uh also bridget jones's baby yeah well it, we've also had to see uh 50 shades darker 50, so that makes four because i can think of at least one and, more and then we also had to see uh oh that, fast and furious yeah fast and furious well that was fast and furious is eight or whatever yeah but, i'm saying not the third ones just we've seen a lot of sequels without having seen anything else yeah so so that's just sort of a fun trend for us but good lord john have you seen any of the maze runner movies oh no i haven't and the weird thing to me is i don't remember anything as far as like uh like trailers or anything like that for the second movie i very distinctly remember the push for the first movie and i thought it looked pretty cool i was like oh it's a weird like you wake up somewhere and there's a giant maze and like you have to get through it that's a fun strange mystery box adventure it's like cube but with a big budget yeah i was like oh it's it's young adult cube neat okay i could uh, yeah i would be able to deal with that and i, I knew little finger was in it see it, i didn't know anything all it, i knew from the first movie was this is a, a weird young adult cube but you're not into game of thrones anyway so aiden gillen probably doesn't have a whole lot of draw for you no i mean as soon as he showed up in this movie i was like fuck that's little finger i don't know what your name is all i know you has is little finger and i don't even watch that shit <laughs> He's in this movie as evil super agent Tech Jansen. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. He's probably his. They just call him Jansen, but I'm assuming his first name is Tech. You have to assume that. Yes. Yeah. I think it's you it's, have to. It's unspoken, but yeah. <laughs> but then there was apparently a second movie, uh, and I yeah. had no idea what the fuck that was, and I had no idea what any of these were about. In fact, I I knew so little about these that I kind of thought we were seeing the third Divergent series movie. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, this is going to be some movie about how a bunch of kids learn to see color when the other kids can't see color, and it's it's how you can tell that they're special, and also they all have salon quality haircuts all the time oh yeah obviously <laughs> but the the third movie i then saw like the trailer for at least mm-hmm. and i went how the like where is the point a to point b of giant weird maze that we have to get through to we're now basically the hunger games it is very confusing to watch just this movie there's little references to the previous two that it just don't mean anything and and honestly i think that the best thing because this movie i'm gonna go ahead i'll say it now i'll be uh, out and clear this is not a terrible film it's it's watchable it's the kind of movie you could watch on a saturday morning when you're doing your laundry and be like yeah i'm all right with this yeah i mean it's watchable yeah and i get it's definitely one that i feel like if you'd already invested in the first two then sure go ahead and see this one there's enough explosions and dumb shit that you could even see it in theaters and not feel terrible there's cool twisty turny action set pieces in this that go on longer than you'd expect and it's sort of fun to watch them i've got i have very few complaints so my basically honestly the budget for this was way higher than i yeah. thought it would be that's true uh, so ultimately what i'm thinking is the best thing that we could possibly do in this episode is try to solve for x and y based only on at knowledge of z i mean we'll we're gonna come back after the music and give you the full spoiler of it but man just going into it you gotta think we say it's okay like that's just fine spoiler free review is it's fine there's there's enough action and nonsense that even though we had not seen the other movies we were like all right i can watch this i actually think i probably liked it better for not having seen the other ones <laughs> but but uh, yeah i really want to but i also f- didn't come out of it going i need to go watch those other movies now no i feel better for having not seen them because at this point i have a headcanon for what the heck happened before this movie which is crazy <laughs> and, and i'm happier that way all right so we are going to give you some music we will be back, be back with the full spoiler review of the maze runner the death cure i try to laugh about it cover it all up with lies i try to laugh about it hiding the tears in my eyes cause boys don't cry we are back let's get into the death cure so we get a great first scene where everyone says everyone else's name so that you'll know it <laughs> um and that's how we meet thomas and vince and brenda Just everyone over the radio hey this is brenda the character brenda <laughs> And it's notable that everyone in this movie either has a very, very boring normal name like Thomas or Teresa or an insane name like Frypan. <laughs> well, we get uh, Minho and Frypan and who are the other? Galley? Uh, yeah, Galley, Thomas, Newt. And- oh, I guess if, if you, uh, that would be the first spoilers, Galley's in this. Oh, yeah, sorry. Movies. Sorry, folks who, who I guess only saw episodes one and two. Ga- spoiler alert, Galley returns. We don't know when he was removed from the previous films. Oh, yeah, well, originally this movie was called The Rise of Galley. So that's that's Will Poulter as Galley. We aren't going to see him for quite a while in the film. No. Uh, Will Poulter's been in a bunch of stuff, uh, like like Son of Ram. 
Rambo and and uh, I can't remember the name of that movie, but the one where like the family goes on a yeah, wacky the, adventure and a the the somethings like the, the Thompsons or whatever. Yeah, we're the Millers, I think. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but it looks like they removed him from the first movie because they didn't realize what puberty was going to do to him. Because <laughs> I'll just spoiler alert: uh, Gally looks like Sid from Toy Story. Oh like, yeah, like he looks like the bully from Toy Story exactly. He is one hundred percent Sid the whole way. If they made a live action Toy Story right now, they would need him. Yeah, they would be unable to work with. He already kind of looks CGI. He, he kind of there's kind of an uncanny valley thing about him, and you're like, how come that guy isn't trying to light a toy on fire? What's going on with this movie? <laughs> oh, it's because he learned his lesson, and now he's a garbage man. That's true. Well, he looks like Sid from Toy Story, not Sid from Toy Story Three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving him that credit. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the movie starts out with a train heist where our main characters are trying to get back someone that I assume got captured at the end of the second movie, so, yeah, which is know, Minho. Minho, who's a, a friend of the main character, folks. Uh, so we, we open on Brenda and, uh, I, I, Brenda is Battle Angel Alita, uh, yeah. but she's hanging around with Giancarlo Esposito and I cannot remember what his character's name was. Uh, something... Hermano? Well, that's what he kept calling everyone. He calls everyone Hermano. He's Jorge. Jorge, great. So the two of them are in a cool battle jeep. Yep. uh, And they are getting ready to do a cool thing. And they go driving across the blasted wasteland of Southern California. Uh, It kind of looks like they're driving past, like, uh, maybe Camp Pendleton or something. But I mean, I, I definitely think this is the uh, the five once you leave L.A. Yeah, it's got that feel of being the, the zone between, like, South LA, South Los Angeles and San Diego. Oh, uh, no, I f- it feels oh, like it in North between, LA? like, the five-hour drive between, like, L.A. and the Bay Area, oh, where there is fuck all. Because there's beach in almost every shot, they would have to at least be going up the one. <laughs> well, I mean, I also don't think this is supposed to be... California. California. It is so clearly but Southern California. It is Calif- so very California. <laughs> it is from uh, every little detail, from the mountains to the types of grass that's growing. It is very clearly Southern California. Yeah. Either that, or once society collapsed, Southern California just sort of spread itself out like a big virus. <laughs> yeah, man. Society <laughs> collapsed, and it just yawned and spread itself out. <laughs> ah, you know what the rest of the world needs to be? Scrub coastal scrublands. <laughs> Let's get some chaparral all over everything. There you go. I got some of that for you and some of that for you. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're driving around in very clear scrublands near Southern California, and uh, they they pull up on a big ridge, and they're like, they're late. We have to go anyway. And then they convert their car to battle mode and go chasing after a, a train. Yeah. So the whole train heist thing is, it's neat for an opening scene. It's cool. It's a fun, it's a fun opening scene, and it does a great job of introducing all the characters by name. Oh, yeah. Well, well, it gives you a good way to be like, okay, that's this person, that's this person, they're still here. Yeah. But it also is like, ah, oh, let's have a cool action thing to do this with. And it works. It's you fine. Know. It's fine. Yeah. They, they, so, you know, eventually Vince and uh, and Thomas, our main character Thomas, uh, and Vince, who is way too old to be hanging around with Thomas. Well, yeah. Well, Vince seems like he's, again, because I haven't seen the other ones, he seems like he's supposed to be the, like, either father figure or the, like, gruff commander guy. Well, well, let's just say his his aesthetic is dumpster Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's just say he is, I was going to say post-apocalyptic Burning Man guy, but all people who go to Burning Man basically look that way anyway. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's dumpster Obi-Wan. Yeah. <laughs> he's played by Barry Pepper, uh, who, who you'd remember is the main character of Battlefield. Field Earth. Oh, no, wait, you wouldn't remember that. Why would anyone remember that? I mean, I remember that. (laughs) And also Pepperidge Farm remembers that. I have a hard time even identifying him if the movie's not shot in a series of incongruous Dutch angles. (laughs) 
<laughs> Man, unless it's slow motion, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> unless John Travolta is desperately trying to stuff a rat down his mouth, I can't recognize Barry Pepper, which is weird because there is a scene where John Travolta shoves a, a rat down his mouth in this movie. These. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, Barry Pepper. <laughs> oh, yeah, there he is. Those man animals do enjoy fine rats. <laughs> How have we evaded Battlefield Earth this long? Uh, I mean, I think it's because we we've both seen, seen it. it. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. Is I mean, Grant, I could probably do a full review of it without having seen it in years because <laughs> it's very memorable. God, I I have not watched that in like sixteen years now. <laughs> yeah, so my memory of it would be very very shoddy. Anyway, Brenda and Jorge distract the train drivers. Wall, uh, sorry, they're, the conductors. Well, they're the, just there to distract the help that comes, which is a giant airship yeah they but have only one yeah big one big old well i mean come on it's the post-apocalypse how many super v-22s do you think they're gonna have apparently one because it's the only one we see in the entire movie <laughs> anyway the, uh, they distract the train and then eventually this sort of super version of a v-22 that pops up and it, it goes riding off while thomas and vince do a cool train heist where they jump off a jeep and onto the train and fight dudes yeah, it's it is a fun scene and they are there to save their buddy and there's a train car of children headed somewhere. Yes. So basically they manage to separate the two cars of the train that have people on them and then this is this is probably the biggest plot hole in this scene is the train comes skidding to a halt in the middle of fucking nowhere and then Thomas just gets off the train and yells and a bunch of his friends friends emerge from the bushes. Yes, the train stops and right where it stops in the middle of nowhere everyone that he had that was like oh yeah you guys are gonna be here to help us i guess open up the uh locks on this train car so we can lift it away you're gonna show up but they were right where it stopped they were exactly where it stopped it was it was like they there was no point where they were like we have to pull the train over now or we're gonna miss newt and fry pan yeah they're not like oh we've got four seconds left to blow this or we'll miss our window yeah no they were just like running and blew it uh, as soon as they could, it wasn't like they were trying to wait for a particular moment. It was, I've just finished doing this, then we blow it up. Anyway, they, they managed to cut loose one of the cars from the train car. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jorge and Brenda lure that big V-22, which for some reason flies five feet off the ground all the time, uh, to a box canyon where it stops and unloads a bunch of people from, it has like multiple ways of unloading people, so it's doing them all at once. Like, as it's lowering itself to the ground, a whole bunch of folding seats unfold from the sides of the vehicle well yeah it's got either like a drop down from the side like zip line down type thing where you've got like cords that you go down or you can come out the back because it also has the back flap yeah it has it has side and back flaps both of which disgorge soldiers but at the same time as it's lowering a bunch of like roller coaster seats unroll from the sides of it that are empty <laughs> i assume they're to hold prisoners but it's just weird that this thing just has so much space given over for storage of humans yeah uh anyway at that point it unloads too fast and all of a sudden there's and a too furious too furious <laughs> the, and then xander cage rises <laughs> <laughs> All of the Vin Diesel movies show up. <laughs> Not a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they take over the ship because, oh, it, all the, 
other kids with guns show up as well. Yeah, so a whole bunch of kids. Brenda manages to just immediately get into the cockpit of this this airplane thing. Yeah, and it's just amazing how fast and efficient it is. But it, of course, it's the airplane's fault for going towards the ground. Yeah, like what are they? Just shoot them. Just shoot the bad guys, guys. What are you doing? Oh, but they wanted to capture them because why? What are they going to do with them? Well, well if okay. They, if they knew that these were immune people, then yeah. they obviously want to capture them because they want immune people to fuck around with them. Hmm. Uh, but the fact that it's someone we know isn't immune and some old guy, you're like, oh, you're not a kid we can have run through a maze. We don't care about you. Yeah, although we will learn throughout the course of the movie that she is immune. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> Spoiler alert that we don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they, they kidnap the stupid airplane and fly back to where the train is and then skyhook away one of the two train cars full of kids. Yeah, and sadly, they picked the wrong one. Yeah, they got some of their friends, but not Minho. Yeah, they were trying to get Minho. They apparently find two people that they also know, but do not seem to give a fuck about. They, like, hug him, and they're like, oh, it's good to see you. Aw, damn, we didn't get Minho. Well, we're gonna have to go save him then. Yeah, they know their names and stuff, so they're clearly from one of the previous two movies, but they are not in this film. They are not given a fuck about. They are saved and then thrown into the background. (laughs) (laughs) Never to be seen again. Yeah, it's like background shots of the camp. You might see them and be like, oh, look, it's those two. I remember them. They got hugged or whatever. Yeah, good for them. They got some hugs. One of them had a black eye. (laughs) Yeah, and I assume that's something that happened in the previous movie. I'll never know. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, uh, Thomas is super mad because he he didn't successfully rescue Minho. Now, Thomas is clearly the main character of a young adult story because there are two women from different backgrounds that that it seems as though he's going to have to choose between. Uh, Those being Brenda, the young rebel who has lived on the fringes her whole life, and Teresa, the insider, who was a scientist who, who technically worked for the man. Yeah, which, from what I gather from this movie, she betrayed them either at the end of the first movie or sometime during the second, I assume the second movie. Yeah. And she's actually working for Wicked. <laughs> we gotta, we'll talk about Wicked at, for, at oh, length. That God is the damn it. Any, so he's like an ingenue type who has to choose between a, a woman who represents the establishment and rich, riches and she's tall and willowy and, and you know, extraordinarily white, or Brenda, the, the young... Who vi- represents the street. The street, and she's urban and edgy and she has she's rough around the edges. So this is just, you know, a distaff Hunger Games uh, with the obvious distinction that there is no way that Thomas isn't super gay for his friend Minho. <laughs> oh, my God. He is so gay for Minho. Like, there's there's a point where you're like, dude, I, I understand that you want to save him, but it's also because you really miss that D. Like, that is 100% what's I going mean, on. I uh, mean, let's, let's be clear here. He's not wrong. <laughs> let's be honest. Minho is sweet and sharp looking. He's, Minho can get it. He's mostly unconscious or beat up through this movie it's fine he's, st- <laughs> he's still doing it for everybody and everybody involved uh you should feel dirty that that kid's like 17 <laughs> actually i'm sure that kid's like 35 that's the but- thing i think he's supposed to be playing 17 but he's not th- he's not 17 <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, the whole thing is they get back to the camp and I guess fucking Barry Pepper's got a plan to put everybody on an old ship and go to a safe haven, which that is never a good plan. Like having been someone who has seen a lot of zombie films, which apparently this is, this is a zombie film. Did you know the Maze Runner movies were about zombies at all? I had no idea. I mean, the first Maze Runner I thought was just a weird experiment It's just big cube. Like, uh, yeah, uh, there's the parallels between the first Maze Runner and cube are simply, it's just like, hey, what if Cube had a 
budget. <laughs> yeah, what if Cube was a budget and young adult? And you're like, yeah. okay, I can see that. You can probably see less people diced into tiny cubes. And yeah, it's it's the PG-13 version of Cube. Yeah, I think a lot more than just the one guy with mental issues is going to live. Yeah, so, you know, at that point I went, all right, it's a weird, like, science fiction experiment thing. But when you get to this movie, you're like, oh, you took every post-apocalyptic trope and smashed all of them together. Yeah. No, this is... Because this is Mad Max, <laughs> Zombieland, fucking... There's a little bit of the Rift's role-playing game in this. There's... I mean, you don't usually get uh, a lot of... Uh, trying to find a cure post-apocalypse things, but it is in there as well. So you've got like, isn't there like the book of Eli or whatever is partially that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but it's, it is the, uh, oh, tank girl has a uh, finding a cure. I think is part of it. Yeah. Cause it's like a plague. Yeah. But then the plague is also zombies, but then also everyone's like out in the dirt driving around in fucking dune buggies or they're in a future city and the future city has a bunch of noir stuff happening in it. So you've got some blade runner. Oh yeah, well got, the you, actual city itself is is very like fascist high tech. Also, memory editing is a is just a thing that's everyone assumes is normal. Like you could just edit people's memories however you want, and it's just tossed off as a background element. Oh, it's just a thing we do. Yeah. We can just you know fuck around with your memory. We've yeah. got Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in the background here. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Hey, you want to get some Eternal Sunshine up in the end? No problem. Yeah, we'll do that for you. You want to and- forget banging Kate Winslet because you're the weirdest idiot in the world? <laughs> The uh, the weird thing to me though is it's also I mean it's very Hunger Games. You want to forget banging Jim Carrey? We, I really want to forget we, that. We understand. <laughs> oh my yes, please come this way. Oh, you should get into line B. <laughs> Just hitting a button over the loudspeaker. We've got a priority. <laughs> we've got we've got a code carry here. <laughs> we've got a real Winslet situation on our hands. Usually this place is full of gyms. Uh, so the. <laughs> The weird thing is with the the Hunger Games aesthetic for that cube, the the fucking maze that they ran through is now that I know that it is a post-apocalyptic situation where there's like only one city that still exists in the entire world and everything's all fucked up. I'm like, how did you at some point find the real estate, the manpower and everything else to make a maze for these people? Yeah. And then to make it look hundreds of years old. Yeah. I'm like, I don't. This isn't you can't. Can't, you can't just do this. You can't just be like, oh, we we had a giant, like, a miles-long 3D printer hit maze <laughs> and then let it go. No, it's fine, John. Ancient aliens from Jupiter built a bunch of mazes all over the Earth, and when the apocalypse happened, it uncovered them. Oh, obviously. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Well, it turns we're, out we're, the pyramids of Giza, <laughs> if you hit the top of it, turn into a maze. We're just solving for X, John. It's fine. We have the information from this movie. How does the first movie make any sense? It's We got this. The answer is it doesn't but (laughs) (laughs) but uh okay so basically they all get back to this hideaway location with a goal to get to another one uh, well, yeah, they're going to get to haven. the safe haven yeah. where Wicked can't get to them, and it's safe from the zombies and yeah, uh, the zombos, and 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 then. Tr- but unfortunately, it's not good enough for Thomas. Who no, he needs Minho. He needs his boyfriend. I, I I can't. Are you not supposed to interpret this movie that way? He is. I I I understand. As I was saying, the whole like, oh, I want to rescue my friend, mm-hmm. but it is. A little more than that, 
I almost think that the actors read the subtext and and up acted appropriately. Oh, they had a hook situation. I, I think yeah, I think so. I mean, explain that though. Oh well, uh, in Hook, mm-hmm. the uh, Dustin Hoffman and oh uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, the guy from Who Framed Roger, Roger Rabbit and everything. Yeah, uh, uh, damn. <laughs> but and uh, Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins decided while filming Hook, even though it was not a directorial choice or in the script, that Hook and Smee were gay for each other. And that's how they play it the whole way. And They do, though, but they don't play it as, as fresh young love. They play it as no. an old married couple. They are an old gay couple, yeah. and that is the way they decided to do that, and that is basically what happened with this movie, is the two of them went, oh yeah, no, we're totally gay for each other. Don't worry about that. Like, yes, Thomas is technically picking between these two girls, but no, he isn't. Well, here's the thing. He doesn't choose between either of them. There's no point in the movie where, where Brenda and him even have a moment. I, I don't think... I, I think maybe Maybe that we're reading this as young adult with a little bit of preconceived notion and that he is just straight up gay because there's a lot of subtext from him that's that's throughout the film, not just for for Minho, but also for Newt. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think there's some element of the, the the actor choice where he was like, I think this guy is not into either of these these obvious female choices laid before him. I think he just loves dudes. <laughs> I mean, they really, really want to push the you're in love with Teresa thing. Yeah. Like a lot. It's not flying. It, that dog won't zero hunt. chemistry there. <laughs> yeah. And it, you can tell they didn't even try with Brenda, which I think, honestly, smart choice. Because those love triangles are always the worst part of any given one of those movies. Yes. The, oh, poor me. I have to pick between two beautiful people that both want me. Like, Meanwhile, I am so plain and yet so special. Yeah. Perhaps I drive an old pickup truck to emphasize my uniqueness. So anyway, Thomas drives this old pickup truck. <laughs> well, okay, he so does. He does. Then the very next scene of the film is him going, "No, fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to wherever that train was going and I'm getting Minho." Yeah, they they hear about the last city and uh apparently Jorge's like, "Oh yeah, I was there. It exists." Yeah, it definitely exists. It's probably Los Angeles or San Francisco. It's hard to tell, but it's definitely a Southern California city. It's definitely there. Yeah. Anyway, uh so basically Thomas is all set up to stomp off on his own, but wouldn't you know it, his friends won't let him go without some help. And that's where Newt shows up. And we've seen Newt already. He was the guy cutting apart the train earlier. Um, and his silent friend, who apparently was important previously, Frypan. Which, when we got out of this movie, we couldn't remember his name, and it's probably because it was Frypan. I'm pretty, we I think like, what? They only said it once. I, I assume so they could sell action figures or whatever. And they're like, well, we're going. Oh, thanks, Newt. And thank you, too, Frypan. And thank you, ADR Frypan. Frypan. So... <laughs> And it's spelled like the item. So I assume that Frypan's a maze survivor because yes. a lot of them have goofball names that they got from not having memories or whatever. Well, I assume anyone who's on screen and is known by Thomas is a maze survivor outside of fucking like Barry Pepper and Jorge. Well, I don't think Newt is. Oh, Newt is. I Newt mean, was in the maze. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. So because at this point in the movie, to us, to you and me, it's still a surprise what happens next. Well, yes, but Newt was also very much in the maze and it is mentioned later in the movie that he was in the maze. Okay. Well, they they come up to some big tunnel, and it says, like, oh, this is an infection checkpoint. Yeah. And at that point, we're starting to think, oh, so the world fell apart because of some sort of virus. Okay, well, that's cool. That, that That's interesting. Yeah, there was some plague that killed everyone, and these are the remnants. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So they have to go through this tunnel. I don't know why they have to go through this tunnel. I mean, it looks like there's land on either side of it. Yeah, it looks like you could drive around, but, you know, whatever. Fine. It's fine. You know, it's got all of huge amounts of Southern California. You could probably go <laughs> around. All of these tracks. Uh, of land here. I mean, maybe the problem is that there's no gas. 
Because it certainly uh, it doesn't seem like there'd be gas stations. Well, and, they they certainly never talk about it. Yeah, and it is never a problem. There's, there's never a point where they discuss how all the equipment that they have is continually powered and operational. Yes. Um, the same thing with the city having power, and there's no real power station. There's that no you visible can see. power station. There's uh, the, everyone's got walkie talkies that consistently. That, I guess that makes sense. No one has cell phones. It's all walkie talkies. Yeah. So anyway, they have to drive through this tunnel, uh, and the first thing they say is, "I don't know, man. That seems like a place where cranks would hang out." And I was like, yeah, you know, I can see that. Like some, some Jason Statham up in there. That's definitely a place oh, where Jason Statham would be. I, I just pictured it as grumpy old dudes. <laughs> just, just sitting there. Russians done infected my chicken development. <laughs> just some old cranks. No, man. It's just it's just some Jason Statham. A Laotian done moved into my neighborhood. And I'm the transporter. <laughs> So fine, it's full of Jason Stathams. And old men, both. Both of them. <laughs> cranky old Jason Stathams. It's, it's cranky old men starring Jason Statham. <laughs> In 20 years, they're going to make that, that grumpier old man remake starring Jason Statham, and he's still going to be dating Ann-Margaret because that woman is immortal. <laughs> Uh, so they, that was the first clue that, oh, wait a minute, is this a zombie movie? Yeah, this is, this is the setup for a zombie scene. Like, that's what this is, and then sure enough, there are zombies, and you're like, wait, hold the fuck up. <laughs> when did on. this happen in this movie? Didn't we already do a young adult zombie thing? I think it was called, like, Warm Hearts. <laughs> Didn't we do that? I th- I could have sworn that happened. There's warm bodies, and uh, yes, but that was just Romeo and Juliet with zombies. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but they, they start driving down the tunnel, and sure enough, they come across just some guy guy standing there yeah some, you know, some twitchers doing some twitching and then they're like oh it's fine it's just one just go around him just it's fine just go like 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 there's just one zombie anywhere oh yeah it's just one guy this guy's just been hanging out here i wonder if zombies work with the same way that ninjas work where if there's just one zombie that's the most powerful zombie ever and you better watch the fuck out i okay <laughs> the inverse proportionate power of zombies <laughs> yeah they're like ninjas yeah <laughs> so one ninja fights one zombie how does that go <laughs> I think you get two zombies, and then the next ninja beats them both. The uh, So the whole, we stop the car, and there's one zombie in front of us, and they have to like yell at the driver to keep going is a very weird thing that happens in zombie films a lot, mm-hmm. and I never understand it, because you'd think you'd see one of them go like, oh shit, let's go. Like, yeah, let's- But instead he's like, ooh, let's investigate the zombie, and it's like, no man, you know better. What are you Come doing? On. What are you on, doing, bro. fry pan? <laughs> what, what is your deal, bro? There's a gas pedal. Put your foot on it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, either way, whether it's just one zombie or a whole bunch of them- you're going to need to drive the car. Yeah, Let's... I mean, this is the point where you either go, oh, we're turning around, or you plow through. You just lost a star in your lift rating, buddy. <laughs> but, but anyway, it turns out that several... they get surrounded by zombies. Yeah, and it turns out that these are the kind of zombies where they can have brief moments of lucidity, because they're they're not quite zombies. They're just sick people. Well, they're, they're 28 days later zombies. Yeah, they're rage, they are rage zombies. Yeah, they're fast, and they uh, they still attack and chew on people and stuff, but their bites don't cause zombie zombies. Oh, they do. Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah, that's there was a very brief moment when we were back at the camp where Brenda rolls up her uh the leg of her pants and she has a bite mark on her leg and they she says oh if i crank out i'll let you know oh, okay that's right because they, there's a whole thing about how she, i was in the bathroom ah um so okay moving forward uh the zombie the zombies are suddenly surrounding the car and one of them is like hey you gotta let me in you gotta help me you gotta help me guys guys please help me i'm i'm trapped in this stupid tunnel and there's all these zo- i'm trapped in this bad movie guys yeah, guys help me there's all these crank zombies here help 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 and you know other zombies are just trying to jump in the car yeah it's there's a degree of how far gone you are yeah because it's it's like you can be infected with the virus and be like aggressive but still sort of have your brain like you can say things and then there's just full-on rage zombie yeah and there's a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of shots in this movie of zombies sort of testing 
plastic walls where they're just going like, you know, like like if like when you throw a sticky thing at a wall and it starts sliding down it, that you get that. So it's a lot of background elements. It's just zombies sort of pressing themselves up against walls. Well, because it's zombies. It's zombies. That's what they do. Yeah. So they drive through, but they can't make it. They hit a big water tank and fall over and flip the car. Yeah. But then they get saved by Brenda and Jorge. Brenda and Jorge show up in yet another battle car and they're like, hey, guys, we thought you'd like a ride. We. So they get to the last city and it, it is it's chai town it, it is very much if you've ever read rifts or seen anything for rifts it's chai town and the burbs are around it including the burbs yeah it's a half finished chai town with the burbs so you have this giant fuck off wall like hundreds of feet high huge wall like at many stories tall up from the depths <laughs> and godzuki's there <laughs> And uh, and then around it, just sort of where the wall like entrance is, because they mm-hmm. have a place where like cars could come out, has sprung up like a giant tent city, essentially. Yeah, yeah. There's a spot where the wall fell. Also, there's Darmok and Jalad. <laughs> yeah, at Tanagra. There's there's Shaka when the walls <laughs> fell. There it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would like to say the another weird thing to me that I didn't understand what was going on is as soon as I found out from this tunnel scene that, oh, this is supposed to be a zombie apocalypse scenario. Yes. Every building that you see that isn't in this last city looks like it has been like bombed, not just bombed, but like nuked because it is a shell of concrete that is mostly crumbling. Yes. I don't. That's not what a zombie apocalypse does. No, it looks like they looks like they fought a big old protracted war against the zombies that included just bombing huge chunks of the countryside. But which it's is probably why there's because which is probably why there's no other cities. Because you'd think like eventually, let's say that I was right and that they were basically holed up in Camp Pendleton and then they drive to Los Angeles. That means they have to go through Oceanside. So at some point they're going to drive through a city. Like they're going to drive through a city, but they don't. It's just empty terrain, which means nukes probably did get used. So again, we're solving for X and Y here, where we're trying to figure out what happened to the previous two movies. There's still functioning train tracks that didn't get destroyed in this. Those might be new. We don't know. Well, they might be. Considering also, train tracks. Fucking Wicked apparently has the ability to build anything they want instantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, they built a giant maze, John. They, they built-, built a giant maze and they built Chi-Town. walls yeah. that only showed up in the last three years. Yeah. Because Jorge was at the last city before. He's like, I've seen this, but the walls are new. Yeah. So sometime in the last three to five years, this city built 100-foot high walls and the people in the burbs allowed them to do this and didn't like rush them at some point to get into the city or they were kept out in any way before the walls were built i don't understand here's the first thing to to address your first concern the nicest thing about train tracks is that they're more or less nuke proof unless you directly nuke the tracks what what else was going to happen to them well that was my assumption is tracks go through city stuff a lot and that you'd have like collapsed building yeah you know a bunch of ruins you have to clear but ultimately the endless miles of track across open countryside are going to be there because why would you bomb open countryside oh yeah so tracks so so trains are a great thing to have surviving after an apocalypse the so that that made sense to me that's fine the walls i'm less clear on i mean they even have a line in the movie where patricia clarkson gets to say like look at that look what human ingenuity can do we built those walls in three years it's like what how why no you didn't (laughs) like right now if a functioning 
country was like, oh, let's build like 200 foot high fucking walls around an entire city and mount like giant guns and whatnot. And it has to be super thick concrete. And here we go. I'd be like, that doesn't happen in three years. You can't build like an on ramp to a freeway in three years. I think in the next three years, we'll see whether or not you can build a giant wall in three years, John. I think, <laughs> I think, I think we'll find out whether or not you can build a great big wall to keep out the undesirables in about three years. Oh, I don't think we will see that. I'm pretty sure we will never see that. No, I think this is our chance to find out whether or not it can be done. <laughs> well, the answer is no, it will never be started. <laughs> it actually already has been started. <laughs> well, it has been. We're looking at it. In- <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> moving forward, uh, the next they have to get into the city, so they drive forward to the burbs, which they don't make any sense in this movie. Like the Chi Town burbs kind of make sense because yeah, I mean, I wanna, I would like to just sort of run through the plot very quickly because the shit that we want to actually talk about has nothing to do with the plot as much as it does what is going on and All how right. did we come. So here. we're gonna to be, uh, so as we make our way through, I just want to make a, create a mental list of things we're gonna talk about soon. Uh, zombie body integrity and what the fuck is with the burbs. Yeah. That's two things so far. Like, when they get to the Burbs, they find Galley. That's where we get him coming back, which he was in the original maze. They, yeah. He apparently killed someone, and then they left him for dead? Yeah, he killed Duncan, I think they said. It was Duncan or something, or Charles or something like that. Right? Yeah, in- Charles Duncan Donuts. One of those. Either Charles or Duncan, right in front of all of them, and then they left him. They, they killed him, and he's they, like, they, no, you put a spear through me and left me for dead, but I didn't die. I didn't. I'm alive. They found me and then realized that I was immune and that was cool somehow. So Thomas gives him a good old sock to the face and he's like, yeah, yeah, well, I deserve that. But then I guess one of the background people like Frypan or something is like, yeah, he did kill our friend, but he was super high on Stinger at the time and he was was half dazed. He was half out of his mind uh, because he was stung and he didn't realize what was going on. You're like, okay, great. More stuff from the the first movie that I don't know. It's probably got something to do with the robot spider lizard that we see at one point. Yeah, we uh, we then get their introduction to the like big boss of the Burbs, which is a fucked up half zombie Walton Goggins. Yeah, Walton Goggins in this movie doing an amazing uh, performance of a character who makes no sense. Yeah, he has no function here because the way that he is portrayed is like, oh, he's like a big crime boss or a, like. Well, he says oh, he's I, he's in charge is yeah. what you would see. He even like one of his like three lines of dialogue in the whole movie is you understand the kind of person I am, right? I'm a shrewd businessman. Yeah, I, I don't give something without getting something. It has to be in my favor or whatever. I, I go, how? I make my decisions based on self-preservation and profit. But but you're you're living in the fucking burbs. Like, who's taking orders from you? Just gang guys? He's just assembled. And also a co- why you are like a half second away from turning into a full zombie. Oh no, he's walking around with an IV drip of what they call Titan, which is apparently is an inoculation you can take against against crank it won't cure you but it will stop the spread yeah he's he has got the uh their their little uh antivirus thing that is not a cure like you say but it's just here this this means you won't progress farther as long as you've got that in you or at least it slows it down because he is very close to zombie he's got well i assume it's because there are stretches where he does not have this he doesn't uh, have a nose among other things yeah he's lost his nose half of his face is just giant blue veins and there's worms coming out of him like dried scale wormy things I the the veins like the blue vein thing is a thing for these zombies but they also have the special effect of like pulsing yes like things are going through them yeah so there's crusty pulses uh, and then he offers Thomas a handshake when they make a deal which you'd think if one of your hands is all zombified and covered in crispy bits you'd offer
for the other. You'd be like, hey, man, I go for the Boy Scout handshake because, uh, you know, I don't want you to break off any chunks of me. Yeah, but no, he's doing it because he's like, oh, this is an intimidation tactic. Yeah, shake but my t- gross hand. But Thomas doesn't care because he's immune, so he's like, whatever, I don't give a fuck that you're part zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're all crunchy, whatever. So anyway, that's Walton Goggins' character. He's he's very much the boss of Galley, and he's going to get them into the city. That's how they're going to get in there to save Minho. Yes, and it turns out that the way into the city is just like an eight-mile-long tunnel through a sewer yeah, it's line. just eight mile it's just, and then <laughs> there's a bunch of mom spaghetti down there <laughs> yeah and there's vomit on the sweater already <laughs> uh, uh and there's no Mackay pfeiffer i was so disappointed oh uh, yeah that's one thing that i really missed there was no movie and there was no Mackay pfeiffer <laughs> so anyway uh it turns out they just have a bunch of christmas lights strung up down about eight miles worth of underground sewer tunnel yeah they just walk through the sewer they uh, about up. four times through the course of this film by the way oh after they walk through once, we never show anyone in the tunnel again, but then they're allowed to just pop back and forth as they please. Well, they just press X to fast travel. Oh, yeah. Once they get there, they're like, oh, it's on the map. We yeah, can just go it's, there. It's fine. Just fast travel back to the underground dungeon in the burbs. Uh, but they go there, check it out, see, like, oh, this is where the city is. This is what the walls are. This is what's going on. Yeah. And then they go back into the burbs and they're like, hey, we have a plan-ish. Well, it turns out that Galley knew an additional thing, which is he knows we're Teresa is, and Teresa has st- has taken up work as a scientist for Wicked, the core evil organization in the movie. Which, by the way, here are three more things I wanted to talk about that we when we get to the end of this, we need to talk about all the broken shit. So we've got zombie body integrity. What the fuck is going on with the Burbs? Uh, how how on earth would anyone allow a company named Wicked to get any kind of power or anything? Oh yeah. Also, for most of the movie, I would say up until I actually see the lettering on the building that is like W C K D, mm-hmm. I thought they were saying Wicked, and it was a person. <laughs> named wicket and i was like hold on did they did they make the bad guy in this movie named after an ewok hold the fuck no up. it just is wicket yeah it's wicket and there's an ewok and he's like yo i engineered this plague because someone set me loose in a bio lab and what i did was i created weapons i because that's what i do i made a zombifying plague that did you know it doesn't work on ewoks wouldn't I'll, you know it all you gotta do now is wait a couple hundred years for everything to decompose completely and then i'm gonna bring in my yubnub brothers <laughs> my yubnub brothers hey man I, I kind of hope that deep down you're one of my Yubnub brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that really sounds way too close to being an Eskimo brother. <laughs> Fair enough. We're it, Yubnub brothers. It's not, though. It's not. <laughs> it just means that we've both hit a stormtrooper with a rock. We've both nubbed the same Yubs. <laughs> yubs passing in the nub. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yes, I want to get through the plot as quickly as possible. They, uh, find out that Teresa's there, they have a plan to break in, and that plan involves mostly just dressing up like soldiers and walking in after they kidnap Teresa. Yeah, one thing we didn't mention was what the whole deal with Walton Goggins is and why he even showed them the exit. They've promised to bring him a bunch of the serum back. The, the, uh, yeah, that's, that's their whole thing, is when we go to save Minho and we're in the Wicked building, we'll give you a giant bag of serum. Also, there's a scene where they walk up right up to the door of the, of the, the building and because they're all wearing like body trackers they're just immediately picked up on computers and Littlefinger orders for giant cannons to shoot them and instead he just shoots a bunch of people in the crowd yeah all right moving forward they pull off their biggest their big plan to I guess kidnap Teresa and then make her help them yeah the I mean I would say the last third of this movie is the heist yeah which again just like the train scene very well done very high budget yeah and cool and it's got all kinds of neat twists and turns uh the (laughs) 
It's got one of the most mind-bogglingly stupid things in it, which is Walton Goggins, who shows up again. Yeah, Walton Goggins is in two scenes in this movie. In the first one, he introduces himself as a shrewd business fellow who who only operates out of self-preservation and a desire for control and profit. And then the next scene, he kills himself to blow open a door in the in the wall. Yeah, the next scene, he is a political martyr who is rallying the people to his egalitarian cause. And you're like, whoa, hold on. You had two different characters here and you just made both of them Walton Goggins. Yeah, because he just suicide bombs the wall and then uh, and then a big war breaks out on the streets between the people from the Burbs and the people from the city. Yeah, because everyone in the Burbs wants to get into the city. Yeah. By the way, let's add that to the list. What the fuck is everyone in this city doing exactly? Oh, yeah. When, when they're in the city, you see like there's a functioning like train line and things are happening and there are people in suits just walking to walking and from around. subways and i'm like what job do you have what are you doing what what job is it it's the post-apocalypse you're not a fucking like data analysts in some building somewhere no one gives a shit the only building doing anything worthwhile is the wicked building and trying to find a cure presumably you've got some people working law enforcement sanitation and power generation and and after that who can i mean granted i'll be be fair there's a lot of like ads and stuff all over the city there's billboards like well all of them are for wicked they're yeah. all like, oh, come help Wicked. Yeah, and there's stuff like Vita Water. Drink it once a day and it keeps the flare away. Yeah, I I don't understand what anyone is doing in this town. Mm-hmm. But there, I mean, basically what we're saying is that there seems to be a lot of mid like mid-management functionaries that don't work at Wicked that are just still going to offices. Yeah, guys who are just going to some building and you're like, okay, but why? And what are they getting paid? And in what fashion are they being paid for their job? There's only one city left. And we here's, here's an important thing that's missing from this film in, in any capacity, John. Food rights. No, no. I mean, that actually happens. What's really missing is a government of any kind. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no government. There's no one in charge. There's just a wicked building where people are trying to find the cure. Mm-hmm. And... They, are they in charge? Are they uh, is Wicked in charge? It, I I don't know. They seem to be the central body of the town. But so are they paying random businessmen to go to other? Are, are they generating a currency structure? I mean, I have to imagine in a in a last city scenario, it's just you get a ration if you're doing a job, and like maybe better living quarters is what you get paid in I, if you have a like a higher up job. It makes like so little sense. I mean, I understand the idea that they're trying to keep everyone busy so that they don't just riot or go crazy in there so they're like yeah you still have to work as a telephone salesman like <laughs> the phones don't work so you're just <laughs> talking into nothing <laughs> but at the end of the day you receive a cube of ration food and you uh you, you get, get a, a bed a bed so hey good for you yeah but by the way there is a dress code let's let's let's, be, let's get you in that suit right l- now let's be serious everyone needs to wear a brown suit <laughs> the anyway they they attack it turns out uh we find out newt the buddy to thomas is infected and he is not not immune, which most of the people in the maze were, but he's like, oh, I guess they stuck me in there because, I don't know, I'm a control group or some shit. We don't, at this point, here's, this is easily one of the more confusing things about this movie, having not seen the other ones. It appears as though either the maze makes you immune to the plague. No, it's, it's people that are immune to it and they need you, because at one point when they're taking the serum from Minho. Yeah. They're, and they're basically just having him get freaked out and yeah, high just, adrenaline. The, and that's 
what's making him create antibodies, but they're like, oh, it's not as effective as the maze was at creating these antibodies, but you have to be immune first, and that's why they have all these kids sent into the maze. Here's the thing. This is this is definitely a, uh, a an issue of, of supply and demand, where they're like, you get way more antibodies out of a guy if you make him run through our in- insanely huge continent-sized super maze full of killer robots. Yeah, our terror kill maze. You get, you get a few grams less if you just put, you know, tie them up in a laboratory and scare them but no one dies you don't have to keep pay upkeep on a giant killer robo maze and you can just put them in again tomorrow yep that's it's real stupid real stupid yeah. and i i have never once seen anything in this third movie that makes me go oh i understand why there was a giant dumb maze now the logo for fucking wicked is a huge maze mm-hmm. and i don't understand why there's also minho while he's in his sleep induced terror dreams during one of the scenes of him uh, dreams that he's in the maze again so he yeah. sees like his old friends from the maze like doing random stuff and and then he's being chased down a dark hallway by a lizard robot spider yep uh which i, I think those must be the source of the of the dreaded sting that made i, I assume yeah who knows so he's being haunted around by one of those things um but ultimately he still makes you know for one guy being scared for a light afternoon makes a tremendous big bottle of adrenaline for them to use well that's i think like, that's the antibodies oh, that's that the are an- coming out of his blood okay well then in, in any event he, it sort of seems like he produced a seasonable or a reasonable amount of it and i just at this point i wonder if mazes are just obsolete i i don't know i, I don't mean they, know. i don't think they are because they're trucking kids around yeah they still are train but i think they were training those kids in from wherever the maze was into the city because they're like oh wait a minute that's the dumbest idea ever yeah just bring them in and we'll just scare them on a lab table yeah we'll just bring them in and we're gonna have sully come out here and mike wazowski and they're gonna scare them and <laughs> no problem <laughs> oh mean- it turns out if we make them laugh we get more antibodies oh dude if we just if we just cross this movie over with monsters inc we're in business Uh, but yeah, that's fucking stupid. That's another thing to talk about. Uh, but Newt's infected. So during the heist, he starts coughing and he's get, he gets all fucked up. They save Minho, but afterwards Newt is turning. So meanwhile, uh, it turns out that there are 20, Teresa tells them when, when they kidnap her, that there are 28 total immune people in the building and they're going to rescue all of them, which means Brenda needs to help break in with them and steal a bus because it turns out there's a bunch of city buses. Well, yeah, cause it's galley newt and thomas are actually in the building yeah and then uh brenda goes to steal a bus she takes fry pan fry pan goes to steal a, a sky hook thing yeah he's one of those cranes one of those giant construction cranes yeah uh so so brenda manages with the help of galley and fry pan and whatever she manages to steal or, or rescue the 28 children Along Brenda. with, Brenda's just in a fucking she's in a bus bus so they okay so the the group manages to break into the wicked building and rescue 27 of the 28 kids yeah uh, but plus they get a lot of the the titan uh, antivirus stuff and but of course the one kid they didn't get is minho yeah because minho's up in the lab and they're just gonna fucking drain him dry yeah they're gonna harvest him to death which which again seems kind of short-sighted but it's very short-sighted and i don't understand any decision that is made in this movie uh, whatever jansen's just a bad guy tech jansen is just just a bad guy he makes bad guy based decisions yeah well we also find out that the virus is airborne and probably everyone in the city is either infected or will be within a month yes so okay again though thomas is like well i got 27 
out of 28 of my job done. That's pretty good odds. But I am super gay for Minho. So it's time to go save him. So we're going to go save him on my, by myself. So him and Newt go off to save Minho. Gally leads the other kids down to a bus with uh, Brenda in it. Uh, realize, when Brenda realizes that Thomas and, and Newt aren't there, she sends Gally off to go rescue them. And then she takes the 28 kids out for a fun joyride to try and escape from a bunch of police and stuff. Yeah. Uh, fucking, they managed to escape Jensen's evil squad by jumping out of the wicked building at about... Out, I want to say at least twelve to fifteen stories up. Well, okay, that we're talking about two different groups now. That's uh, this is Thomas. Thomas. This is Thomas Fry. Yeah, no, Minho gets saved. Yeah, Thomas Newt Minho and and Thomas Newt and Minho jump out halfway up this wicked skyscraper building and land in a pool and land in the. You know how there are outside of you know office buildings and things they'll have those little pools mm -hmm. and you know how they're normally they're about maybe a foot deep this one is an olympic sized pool apparently that's like 40 feet deep because they jump out land in the pool and then just bob up out of it now i can tell you because i've done a lot of cliff diving in my days john because i used to be a boy scout yeah that you don't need all that much water to jump from a really high distance because no matter how high up you jump from you usually only go about six or seven feet underwater yeah which means that this does need to be six or seven feet deep or probably you could probably get away with with like five or six feet deep and just slow down before you impact on the water on the bottom it is way deeper than any actual fountain should be oh yeah there is no fountain in any business place where they're like oh yeah we wanted this to be about like seven feet deep yeah so that that's what it is i like to think it's not even it's just a moat like it's a that's this is my real thing i think it's a decorative moat i mean we live in zombie times in this movie you tell me you don't want a decorative moat but it does it's not it serves nothing. There's a giant walkway next to it. It's a giant retractable walkway. It isn't. It's concrete. <laughs> it's retractable concrete. <laughs> oh, you know what else it is? It's destructible. Like, if, if zombies start swarming, you just blow up the charges on your concrete bridge thing, and boom, you got a moat. But it's not a bridge. It is the ground. <laughs> like, there is an aerial shot, and there are basically two pools. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you, you were the civil engineer who designed the wicked building in the last city. I am. Okay. Well, then, sir. Then, sir, it's a pleasure to meet you and I, a great work on your decorative moat <laughs> so uh then they get surrounded by soldiers and galley saves them because he's still dressed up as a soldier yeah so he's one of the four soldiers that surrounds them he shoots the other three and he's like looks up where they jump from and he's like you guys are fucking crazy and then and then they run yeah meanwhile so every, everyone basically gets out well i got uh, my fry, favorite one fry pan fucking fry pan yeah, fry pan because he's this is the best fry pan stole one of those 300 foot high super cranes or at least commandeered it i don't think you can steal it because it's not mobile yeah uh but brenda goes on a merry chase through the city with a bus full of children uh until she finally gets cornered by too many police officers at which point the bus is picked up by the giant crane lifted off the ground like you know like the bus in jurassic park 2 yeah uh and uh just dropped out outside <laughs> yeah. the walls just just pulled up moved over and dropped outside walls yes just picks it up and puts it on the other side of the walls we then cut to a scene where the kids are all getting out of the bus and fry pan is there <laughs> Frypan has climbed down from his giant, like, 300-foot-tall crane, come out of the city again, and is where the children are in the matter of... A scene I, change. I want to say maybe a minute. Yeah, it doesn't make... Uh, the best-case scenario is like, that he... Like, he shows up and he's like, everyone calls me Frypan, but I'm Barry Allen. I'm the Flash. <laughs> 
I mean, the only thing that would make any sense is if what he actually did was get out, run along the crane, and then go down the crane's hook wire to, to back down to where the, the... Which, boy, howdy, that didn't happen. Yeah, because that would be a really cool scene, and you'd think they'd want to film it. Yeah. Like, if he was out on a 300-foot-high crane running along a giant gantry in the sky, and then going down a giant metal rope to get to the bus, <laughs> that that would be a That cool, would be a thing you'd show. That'd be a neat scene, and they instead they just show him, like, just teleporting to where the kids are. But, you know, we've already established that they have fast travel to get in and out of the city, oh, yeah. so... He, he just, just hit X and was outside the walls. Opened up his maps, selected the bus, and hit X. Yeah. <laughs> just pop. Hi, I'm Fry Pan. Don't worry about it. So everyone else is getting out, and then Teresa comes over the speakers for the city and is like, Hey, Thomas. Hey, uh, your blood is actually super special, and this is why it's a young adult film, because your blood, you're not just immune. Your blood is the cure. You are, you are, your blood is Depeche Mode. Your blood is the Smiths, Thomas. <laughs> your blood is blood flower. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas, get back here. We need to take your blood, because your blood is the cure. <laughs> Thomas, your blood is the Pixies. I mean, I'm, hang on, I can do better. Uh, hold on, hey, hold wait on. a minute. <laughs> So then he has a giant fight with Newt who turns into a zombie. Uh, and he does the most cliche zombie fight ever where he's like, I don't want to kill you. And he's like, you have to kill me. I'm, I'm zombifying you. No, you don't understand. You, I'm a zombie now. I no, won't we'll, ever do it. It's no, like, we'll, we'll get you the serum. I'm like, dude, this guy is way too far gone for he, that. He is zombie. Do you need to kill him? And he's like, I won't do it, man. I won't kill you. He's got it's, black goop coming out of his mouth and his face is made of veins. He's swinging a knife at you and begging for death. And you're doing that fucking zombie friend thing. Yeah, stop it. Just fucking stop it just once i'd like to see a movie where that never happens the guy's like kill me and he's like okay yeah yeah, it makes sense yeah well zombies i I live in a zombie world i'm up to speed (laughs) i get it now Uh, do you think that ever happens on the walking dead like there's like nine seasons of that shit now do they actually do it yes please kill me okay yes okay good (laughs) because because that's the zombie show where it's like oh yeah we get it we get it now all right good i I just i hope that every season they introduce a new character who doesn't get it and is immediately devoured for their trouble (laughs) i mean yes my wife is turning all right i'll shoot you both all right well (laughs) yeah there you go. Problem solved. And I'll shoot you both twice because I think I remember the rules of how this works. If I'm so, right. Because no matter how you die in... Uh, well, it's just brain. You gotta get him in the oh, brain. Oh, your brain. So if you shoot someone alive in the brain, they don't re-zombie. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Alright, so yeah, he, he stays... So, yeah, Thomas is new. like, I gotta go back to Wicked because I have the cure in my blood. Boy, does he ever hold everyone else up. Because he's like, alright, I'm going alone to rescue Minho. I did it. Oh, Newt's sick. I'm sending Minho ahead to get medicine and come back for Newt. Okay, fine. He goes... Minho goes running all the way up there to get the medicine. Brenda comes running back. At that point he's finally accepted that newt's too far gone and killed him yeah and then he's like all right well newt's dead i'm going back to Teresa. hey brenda sorry i made you drive around forever and then wander through the city looking for me but but now that you've seen me being dramatic i'm leaving yeah now that you've seen me standing over the body of newt i gotta go i gotta go peace i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> uh and, and so he goes back to Teresa, where he meets up with patricia clarkson the kind of smart bad guy but who who was starting yeah, to the turn head around of the science program because yeah. you've got like the main military bad guy and the main science bad guy yeah and the science bad guy has started to see the light yeah the science bad guy's like oh what are we even doing we fucked everything up we made a giant maze that was real stupid <laughs> everything i've done has been ridiculous and then aiden gillen Littlefinger shows up and kills her yeah and then stabs uh thomas with a sleepy poison yeah so they they make the cure out of him and it turns out he's infected and that's why he was so very very insistent on this happening yeah and then i guess so he turns way eviler like he's he's just ranches ratchets his evil up at the end here he's like he's like oh and now we'll make a new society where only i get to decide who lives and dies yeah and i'm gonna take Teresa for myself and i'll kill you because we have enough cure 
And he's just, it, it, Teresa's like, you're going too crazy. So she hits him in the back of the head with a glass thing. And then she makes standard zombie movie mistake number five, which is, oh, I hit this guy in the back of the head. I can stand around near him and do whatever I, I want. I can now leave. Yeah, it's I can fine. just walk I'll, slowly I'll, away. I'll just stay right here. It's fine. No, go for the kill. Finish. Yeah. Anyway, he stands up behind her and, you know, they go. No, they have, they have a whole thing. And they'll fight. They manage to kill Jensen with zombies. Yeah. Because well, there's do a the, lab with zombies in it. Yeah, they do the thing where they're all in a lab with zombies. And it's the scene from Jurassic Park where the, where the velociraptors are stalking. Because at this point, Tom. Thomas is gut shot. Yeah. So he can't move much, and Teresa's just sort of edging backwards away from the gun. Then Thomas heroically stands up and throws a bucket and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they. Kill Jensen uh, with zombies. Yeah. They escape from the top of the building, which is currently blowing up. And yeah. uh, then they get to the New Haven eventually. That's where Thomas wakes up, and oh boy, we're in Safe Haven, and there's corn here already. Yeah. It's like Catalina Island or something. They get to basically Catalina Island, and there's corn there growing there for some reason, and everyone's got nice tents, and they have a they have a fun party where, where they sing that yub nub song <laughs> that's what happens yep that is actually close enough to what happens pretty much instead barry pepper gives a dumb speech points out a big rock and says carve your friends names in this rock and everyone goes and carves like newt and yeah and, so and charles there's a giant rock full of names and i have to assume these are people who died in the other movies and we should be like oh i remember zart because <laughs> zart zart is front and center you see all these normal names around it like oh no a guy named charles died oh i feel so Sorry for Denise. Also, Zart. <laughs> oh, that was the wizard we met. Zart. <laughs> we had to answer his riddles three. <laughs> uh, and then he got killed in the weird maze because that's what this movie is. It's dumb bullshit wall to wall. I like to think that Zart was a 1950s monster movie fish. <laughs> Just showed up and he's like, Are any of you having a bikini dance party? No? <laughs> then I die! <laughs> Remember me! Carve my name on a stone! <laughs> And Jesus. So that's the end of the movie is basically Thomas is like, oh, I'm sad that people have died, but we're here now and but that's he, good. He does have a vial of the actual serum, like the actual cure for the death cure, the, the death plague. Uh, he's wearing it as a necklace. Yeah, um, good. He's decided that he has the cure to all of humanity's troubles in his blood, but he's on Catalina Island and fuck you. He's on vacation. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to wear the cure as a necklace. That's how much I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And then he reads a letter to himself from Thomas. Who, who made him take it right from before Newt. he zombied from Newt, sorry, uh, and he gives Minho a big old suggestive hug Yep. and credits. And, and also, credits. this is the end of the franchise and not just the end of the movie. Yeah, there's no point where I was like, oh, there's a fourth movie where Thomas decides he's going to go try and save humanity. Nope. Well, you, there's a bunch of things in this movie that seem like they're set up for it. Like, Walton Goggins feels like he should be set up for the, the villain of the fourth movie. Yeah, exactly, because he's like, I'm taking over the city with my, with my ragtag, uh, uh, you know, crank-infested masses, and then instead he kills himself. And instead, he kills himself, and then in one of the most mind-boggling things, you have an entire burbs of people who are holding up signs when they first get there of, like, we want in the city, we want to get in there, like, they want the protection of the city. But as soon as they get in there, they begin controlled demolitions of every building. Like, there is a scene where one building is straight up just, like, crumbles down. I'm like, you guys walked in with a controlled demolition in mind for this building. Yeah, they're taking the city down. Like, they're, they're actually destroying the city instead of 
of like trying. They, we want it. They, they instead they want to level it. Yeah, they were like, oh, we want to live in the city. J.K. We want to blow up the city for no reason. I mean, we didn't even mention it, but that's how Teresa dies. The city that the, the building that she's on falls down underneath her. Yeah, but you'd think even if you're one of the burb people and you're like, oh, we hate these city people so much that we're going to blow up some of their buildings, you wouldn't blow up the building that ostensibly has a stockpile of cure. I, I don't know, man. Maybe the, maybe the crank's getting them real good. Maybe they're all uh, flare zombies. They're now. all fucked up on that crank. <laughs> all these Jason Statham's run around with explosions man you get too much cranking you you turn into biling you don't want that to happen <laughs> nah man <laughs> fucking one of the lieutenants of walton goggins is running around with a military missile launcher yeah like on a big old truck like he's got one of those ground mount military missile launchers and he's using it to shoot buildings down yeah what the fuck is the end of this movie yeah anyway we've got a lot to talk about here first of all i want to talk about zombie structural integrity very briefly we find those a bunch of milling around zombies hanging around in that tunnel on the way to the last city yes what are they doing in there how are they not just falling over from lack of water i mean i understand this is this is the big thing is there is a difference between the undead zombie and the rage zombie yeah the biological agent zombie and these are biological agent zombies which means that because we don't have a magic explanation hiding behind them they'll die of of dehydration in three days i don't care whether or not they eat humans now yeah i mean you can get some water out of blood if you're drinking that but they haven't got any to eat like because they don't attack each other yeah and you have to assume no one has come through this tunnel in a while yeah no definitely so they're they're just standing around exactly like they were when they got flared and just uh, it's one of those things where you need to set your precedent for why that's the case for why biological action doesn't kill your zombies or cause them to deteriorate or fall apart also you need a reason for why they don't attack each other because the climax of this movie hinges on uh on thomas tricking uh jensen the bad guy by throwing a bucket that breaks a wall between him and some zombies and jensen goes like ah clever Instead of, you know, shooting the zombies with the gun he has drawn, uh, he just goes, ah, I am undone and is eaten by zombies. But he's infected with the virus. Yeah, but he hasn't gone full zombie yet. Okay, so zombies can tell whether or not you've gone full zombie enough to determine whether or not they should eat you. Yes. It doesn't make it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Uh no, this is this is a zombie that is very poorly thought out because it's a virus. Like the fact that it's you're infected with it, but then it takes like weeks for anything to happen. Mm-hmm. There's a point there where you're like, okay, so like with Jensen or anyone else, you're like, all right, you're infected. So the zombies shouldn't attack you, but they are. What's the break point when they're like, oh, you got black goop coming out of your mouth. Now we know you're one of us. All right, second one. What's the point of the burbs? I don't understand how the last city allowed the burbs to exist for two reasons. One is if they're an actual threat that they're like, oh, these guys have fucking like a military equipment. They are going to try and attack us. You'd think they would just wipe them out because they have way better equipment. They have a tremendous number of like helicopters and cannons and stuff pointed at the city, uh, at the burbs. Yes. That they just aren't firing. Two, you'd think that they would do something where they're like, oh yeah, we let people in if they're not infected. Like we'll do a checkpoint or a lottery every month and that's going to keep people in line because you go, oh, there's a chance you can get in. As long as there's a chance, you'd think you'd all... You'd get people who would go, oh, I don't want to fuck this up because I might get in. I'm not infected. But instead, there's zero communication. There's, no. There's no suggestion that the people from the burbs ever get in there. There's no suggestion that food, water, or power ever comes out of there. Yeah. It's just they, they're surrounding it because it's like the place that it, it's like they, they want to get in, but they can't. And and so why might as well hang out here. But the problem is that the people in the city shouldn't allow it. The whole point of the city is we're scared of zombies. And then they were like, well, we're surrounded by zombies. Oh, do we want to, to kill them? No. No. Well, there's there's an entire community out there. And uh, it's more than likely infected, but 
what, man? Also, how did the burb survive this long without at least one dude who was crank infected going crazy, biting some people, them going crazy, and then doing the whole zombie apocalypse thing within the burbs themselves? Yeah. And we've already talked about how the maze is ridiculous and doesn't make any sense in the context of this film, to the point where I was amazed that they even bothered to call this Maze Runner the Death Cure. Because I guess because it stars a Maze Runner, but other than that, there's like the connection. Here's here's the problem with these movies. I feel like the first one was like we're trapped in a maze and it's a big mystery and what's happening. The second was one was, must have been oh no zombies, and the third one was post apocalypse. Like they just wanted to do a world tour of tropes instead of having any kind of connected narrative. There's yeah. nothing about mazes in this film. Oh no, that that was the thing. Is this movie really like I had said before? Felt like they took a big old bowl of post apocalypse ideas, threw all of it at the wall, and most of it stuck. I mean. Normally, when you look at these young adult series, at least there's some sort of central theme by the end of them. I mean, Twilight is still about bullshit magic boy vampires by the end of the seventh book or whatever. And, uh, like, you know, hunt, hunting game, Hunter Games or whatever it's called. Hunger, Hunger games. games. Is still like, oh, I'm still really worried about District 12 or whatever. Well, that one, I would say Hunger Games is the closest analogy to this movie that I can think of. But it's... <sighs> Like, the whole point is supposed to be, like, uprising of regular people against, like, an oppressive government. It's very, you know, communist. Uh, but the the weird thing to me is, at least in The Hunger Games, the reason you got that is it's set up as there is an oppressive government that is keeping us poor, whereas this one is there are zombies but also an oppressive government, but it's not a government, it's a, a science site, but also the science site has all of the means it needs to create a giant maze and huge walls, but then also other random shit. I, to me, I was just looking it up, trying to remember the name of the trilogy that, that this reminded me of, uh, and, and that was the Tripod Trilogy. I don't know if you've ever read those. Oh, it's about the guy with a huge dick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about a three-legged dog, and he has to choose between two pretty three-legged dogs. <laughs> I, no, it's the so Tripod Trilogy was uh, is a really, really old young adult series. I think it's from like the 70s, and it's like aliens in giant tripod vehicles attack. And in the first book, it's just like, oh, everyone in the in the world is scared of the giant tripod monsters, and, they, and they've reduced us to, to peasantry and, pr and primitive days. Yeah. By the third book, the humans have taken over already, and the whole book is about, like, how do you fix the world? So it was like, oh, we all have tripod tripod technology and we live in the tripod cities and and we've actually started interacting with some of the tripod aliens and what have you and it's it's like you can barely draw a connection from the first book and the third one. Oh yeah and and that i mean i like that kind of thing but in a movie it's like what what am i what what, what is what well yeah i mean for me it's the same thing of like the last hunger games film is it's a bunch of rebels storming the government and trying to take over and it's a giant civil war and the first movie is there's a cool thing that guys are doing like battle royale in yeah and there is nothing in the last movie that has to do with the first movie <laughs> that's true man i just looked it up the tripods trilogy is from 1967 dang yeah you're just, so old i just read what the, were you like 20 when the, you read those the books still exist <laughs> you can read them at any age <laughs> folks look up john christopher's tripod trilogy it's actually pretty good i'm amazed that they haven't already made it into a young adult thing where someone has to choose between two sexy people <laughs> two sexy tripods yeah so <laughs> how can i choose between these two sexy tripods pods for years this is a weird thing i read those very young uh i went like nine or ten years old for years i when, when i heard people talking about war of the worlds i thought they were talking about the tripod trilogy that's weird because people would be like well the war of the worlds is like these aliens from mars and their tripod machines show up and i was like oh i read a bunch of books about tripod machines <laughs> i know what's going and then they have to rebel right like the humans rebel yeah they do they absolutely rebel and then eventually the aliens die because they can't exist in our atmosphere oh i have definitely read those <laughs> they're called the tripod trilogy and people are like no i think you read a derivative ripoff and i'm like yeah probably <laughs> it was good though 
Uh, yeah, so there you go. There's there's that. Uh, was there any other dumb shit in this movie that we really needed to cover? I mean, I guess we probably... We, we have a lot of post-apocalypse tropes in this movie that were fun to talk about. How is there corn growing on Catalina Island? Who did that? Who was... Because Thomas wakes up and fucking Vince oh. is already peeling corn. Oh, yeah. Like and fresh Tom- corn that has just grown. Well, Thomas gets gut shot in the final scenes of the film. And Teresa heroically sacrifices herself by throwing Thomas onto a helicopter. And then she stands on the building and, and the two of them exchange a long loving look before the building collapses underneath her a whole i'd say three minutes where she probably could have just jumped onto the helicopter but instead she was like no nah, i'm good i'm gonna wait for this building to collapse eh, i'm not injured but i'm just gonna chill here yeah it's i'm fine. not even gonna try and jump i don't want to live on your weird corn island <laughs> no thank you i'll die here yeah so but appa- then he wakes up and we're like he must have been unconscious for like a year because this entire safe haven is fully set up like there's structures everywhere everyone's got their own shit they've been here for long enough for there to have been corn that has grown to fruition Mm -hmm. another magic question would be what the hell was giancarlo esposito or jorge before they found him in uh, presumably in the second movie because he is an accomplished airship pilot well i mean he can fly it but then again this is one of those ships that's like got a big button that just says fly on it idiot proof air force machine yeah i mean he's flying it five feet away from a collapsing building at one point in this film he is a master pilot of these crazy things and and all we know about him is that he drives jeeps well i mean as far as i can tell i assume he was a survivalist of the Mm post-apocalypse before he found brenda took in brenda and then they found these guys in the second movie at some point that yeah that's about all we can that's get what that. i can gather and yeah. that brenda got bit they used thomas's blood as an infusion and then she became immune because of thomas's blood yeah so tom all you really need to do to make people immune to the zombie plague is that was the other thing i was gonna say why are we making cures if his blood is already one well the big thing for me is okay you're stealing kids and putting them in maze because you want to get antibodies out of them that means you already know that certain ones of these kids are immune and you put them in this maze to do that why didn't why didn't you take them while you were wiping their memory and putting them in a maze just a blood sample just Just a quick blood sample just blood tests i mean it's not like they they were born in the maze as far as we can tell by the way they all they were put there they all forget their old lives when they go in the maze because it's scarier i guess if they have no idea what's going on i don't think that's true i think i think it's because then they'll be more likely to run through the maze i I guess because i feel like if you took someone separated them from their family in life and threw them in a giant robo maze i'd be more scared because i'd have something to lose well, that's why you wouldn't run through the maze, I guess. But you have to run through the maze. If you don't run through the maze, then, like, robot spiders eat you or something. No, that the whole first movie is there's, like, an entire camp in the area outside the maze where they're just living because no one is brave enough to go into the maze until Thomas shows up. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, you'd think that someone with a, with a heroic name like Frypan would probably make that, that jump. No, man, he's the cook. It's like having it, like, yeah, this is our big hero, Beans McGee. <laughs> so, so hang on, you're saying Frypan's the cook. What does that make? galley who is literally named after the kitchen on a ship uh he's uh is he just the, is he the camp girl he's the camp asshole well he's the camp asshole that's for sure but is he also the camp girl and his name is just a shortened for or long elongated form of gal no no you see he's actually the shortened form of Gallywicks. ah yes of he's course the camp goblin he's, he's the trade prince <laughs> yeah okay fair enough in shortened and in long and, and, and I, I can't speak right now john it's good it's real good We're, i think i might be done it's possible okay let's do our best and worst then give me your favorite thing in this dumb 
dumbass movie. The first action scene is really fun. It's, it's that train heist. Yeah, it's it's well done with cool stunts and jumping off of cars and and interesting helicopter escapes and stuff. I mean, it does have the problem where the villains in this movie cannot hit. Well, no, they're like fighting fifteen soldiers on open ground. Like they're not even taking cover or anything, and no one is hitting anyone. Yeah, I like one soldier get shot by them, and you're like, wow, everyone is a bad shot here. Yeah, this is a bunch of terrible shots. But otherwise, it's a fun scene with good music. I actually found myself drawn into the opening scene. I was like, because before the movie started, I was leaning over to John like, I don't care in the slightest. Because <laughs> I was trying to rationalize to myself why I wasn't going to be angry at the three old people sitting behind me who were having a full voice conversation the entire film. You want to take that as your least favorite, that is, no. the people behind I've you? No, I've got least favorite. I mean, ultimately, I always like to report on the theater experience when it comes to doing an It's weird to now. me, because I feel like I have every time we go, you come out of it and you're like, oh, there was someone behind me who was just having a full voice conversation. I'm like, I was two chairs away and I heard nothing. I know. It's, it's, I think I'm naturally, because of the hyper, the attention deficit and the hyper, you know, I, I have no memory. I have very yeah. short attention span. Part of it is that I am easily sensory overloaded by being in a theater. I hate movie theaters. Yeah. I, I always go see movies in them, but I hate them because all I can hear is like, all I can do is see cell phones. All I can do is hear people crinkling plastic. Uh. It's all, everything. It's, I, I cannot just lose myself in the movie. Uh, instead, I'm sitting there going, all right, the person three seats behind me and two to the left is definitely unfolding an emergency blanket made of the thin tin foil. I don't know why he's doing that, but that's definitely what's happening because no one would need to crinkle plastic that long for any other reason. Uh, oh, someone in front of me in three square and three seats to the right is turning on their cell phone and they're attempting to lower the brightness. Oh, no, no, they're not. Oh, okay. All right. That's I'm, I'm reading the shit on their phone now. That's what's happening uh, the whole time. That's that's me in a movie theater. I cannot just look at the screen. That's sad. That's very so, sad for you. So my movie report in this movie, everyone near me had plastic shit. Good. Just constant plastic. This is why I am perfectly fine with banning home food from movie theaters. Good. Because movie theater food that you buy there shouldn't be in a crinkly plastic fucking thing. But there's always some guy who's like, I'll put one over on them. I'll bring in a giant plastic bag full of individually wrapped lifesavers. <laughs> there's some guy who's just like, I've got 15 layers of tinfoil on this roast. <laughs> I hate them so much. So anyway, there my, you go. My Your best was the the train, the train scene. You, uh, my favorite thing in this is honestly gonna be the tunnel scene because it's the moment where I realize zombies were in this movie, and I'm like, what the fuck is actually happening? Oh my god, it's a zombie film. Yeah. Once I realized they just took all these genres and slammed them together, I was like, now I'm interested because I have no idea what to expect. I think the other favorite for me is the Wilhelm scream that was in this. Oh movie. yeah, there was a Wilhelm, and I I was like, hey, 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 hey John, hey, John, Wilhelm, hey, hey, look. so. <laughs> We both we both looked over like excited for the Wilhelm. Why would we be that? They're in every friggin' movie. <laughs> I know it was great though. Yeah. Uh, least favorite thing in the movie. Uh, I'm gonna say that I just didn't like the zombie physics in this movie. They don't make any kind of sense. I mean that's fair. Yeah. I'm just I, I it always takes me out of the film uh, when when it's like these zombies have been standing in here for months and I'm like oh, okay how come they didn't collapse from muscle failure? Yeah. Uh, is it because of magic? No. Then you need a reason. <laughs> Otherwise, if zombies can stand around with without drinking water for months on end, they should replace us. They are our genetic superiors. <laughs> yes. True. <laughs> it's true. If zombies are better at us than being alive, I say bring on the zombies. <laughs> That's what I say. That's just the next stage in human evolution. It's fine. John, Great. least favorite? Uh, least favorite thing in this is definitely the uh, the people from the Burbs blowing up buildings. Because I was like, it doesn't make any sense. This makes zero sense. I don't understand what's going on here. This is just... This is just because you had no other ending, isn't it? You're like, oh, and then the people from the Burbs get in, and then as they blow everything up, fuck it, I don't care. We want to make it so that there's 
no reason that anyone comes back to this city. I, I would say another least favorite for me is probably the dim-witted single-mindedness of the main character. Meh. Where he just only wants to rescue Minho, and all this other shit happening in the world around him is sort of just window dressing. Oh, that's that's young adult to me, though. Yeah. Your, your main stupid protagonist is like, I have a thing I need to do, and, and it's like, it does but, oh, not matter. It's ludicrously dangerous, and you shouldn't do it because you're going to kill like 17 of us to do it. Yeah, that's you're, fine. You're going to save one person, and it will kill so many others. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted a scene in this movie. It would not have been a least favorite of mine. It would have been a favorite of mine if during the big romantic scene with Teresa at the very end where he's gut shot and they're like about to kiss, if he was just like, where's Minho? <laughs> hey, you seen Minho around? Hey, hey, I hope Minho's okay. That Minho, pretty hot, right? Hey, uh, you ever seen just... Minho with his shirt off? Oh my God. Damn. <laughs> just wanted that. That that would have made the movie a top one, a top one for me. <laughs> so we're going to give our rating on this movie. It's zero to five for each of us gives us the rating out of 10. Jeff, you always make me go first. Why don't you go first? I know. I do make you go first. I'm going to give this a three. Eh, no, I'm going to give it a two and a half. Three, three is the level where I'm like, I might actually say this is a decent movie. 2.5 is, it's watchable. I want to say 2.5 as well, because I feel like if I said three, then I would need to justify that by going and seeing the other two Maze Runner movies, and I'm not gonna. Like, I honestly, I kind of want to see the first Maze Runner. The second movie I do not care about, but I want to see what's going on in this maze. That's all I, I want to know the death traps, because knowing that the maze is just there to collect fucking, like, antibodies, I want to see how deadly it is and be even angrier at this stupid company. It was all like crushing wall things. Oh, that was the other thing we didn't mention. There's a fucking company called Wicked. I don't care if that's the yeah, acronym that's for your your dumb company. There's no way. I don't care if the acronym for my company is EVL. Yeah. I'm not going to call it that because I don't want to be like, oh, we're Evil Core. Mm-hmm. Ah, we make extraordinarily long vehicles. We call ourselves extraordinarily ve- extraordinary vehicle lengths. Yeah, and we're evil. Please uh, join us. Hang on, let's fix this. Hold, wait a I mean, minute. What could Wicked even stand for? Women, children, West kids department. We- uh, Wichita County, Kansas department. <laughs> we uh, care about killing dogs. <laughs> and that's why they're wicked. <laughs> That's what it is. I would I would find that an evil organization. No, it's just, it's just the company that put on a lot of productions of Wicked. <laughs> so many that they lost the eye. Yeah. It used to be Eye Wicked. There, was, because they kept going, look, there is no eye in Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wicked's a stupid name for a company. It's too stupid. It's too stupid. Stupid evil names for companies and things. God damn it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Okay, there we go. So there there we have it. A 5 out of 10, a perfectly reasonable movie that you could ostensibly see. Hey, here's the thing. When this movie's on FXX in like three years, you're going to be fine. Yeah, you'll you'll put it on. You'll be like, huh, these people are shooting at other people and explosions are happening. Is this a Michael Bay film? Who could tell? Wow, they sure have to edit the word shit out a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. Thank you so much for listening to our very weird and rambly review of mostly the tropes that went into <laughs> The Death Cure. And, uh, uh, we will be back in a couple weeks with another movie mastery. Uh, you can go to the website, check us out at systemmasterypodcast.com, and uh, you can find our poll for what we will see in theaters next time. Uh, February is a slightly better month. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. Hopefully, hopefully they want to send us to see that Black Panther. Hopefully that's what they want, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, I'm going to see it anyway. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, go on there, just go to the movie mastery tab. There will be the in theaters now, and that is the button you will press 
to get to that, and you can vote on what we will see for February. Yeah, we'll also link it in the Twitter and whatever, at least once. Yeah. So that people will know and we'll get more votes. And uh, also, if you want to give us a movie recommendation for our standard show... Go to Reddit. You can go to the reddit.com r slash system mastery. We got our big list down there. Yeah, just put your recommendations right there. And of course, if you want to get in touch with us for any other reason, why, but you can go on Facebook, Twitter, we are System Mastery at Gmail. There are so many ways to get a hold of us. Heck, we even have a Discord. You can find it on a Twitter link that we have. And if you like what you hear, you want to support us, you want to give us a little something, then you can go to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash system mastery. And if you donate at all, we are very happy, but a dollar donation gets you our bonus content for System Mastery. $2 gets you that plus the bonus content for Expanded Universe or Expounded Universe. There you go. It's called Expanded Expounded Universe, the Expounder Situation Universe. Yes. And uh, at some point, maybe we'll come up with something to do with Movie Mastery, but who knows? Ah, whatever. We'll uh, figure if, if, if there's one thing people want from us, it's even more podcasts. It's yet more content. You want to listen to us ramble yet more. So <laughs> if you want to support us, it helps us do all of the things that you like us doing, which is mostly rambling and staying alive. So you can go to Patreon to do that. But other than that, you have a good one, and we will see you in two weeks. 